it's officially fall. Yes, but it's absolutely beautiful outside. That would go with, hey, it's officially fall. It's absolutely beautiful outside. You made it sound like in contradiction to. Hello, everybody. <laughs> this whole, uh, this podcast is all about in contradiction to. It, is it? Yes. Actually, that is the theme of the scriptures. Oh, I, I thought you meant the two hosts no, were always contradicting are, each other. Not at all. They already know that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. That is uh, Michael Pumpus, and I am Father Herb Weber. And, and uh, before we go any further, okay, I have to send a greeting out to a woman in Illinois who stopped the other day at church yeah. while they were visiting friends, and she said she listens to our podcast, really? and over the last couple of years have heard us talk about the church, so oh. she had to see it for herself. And? And she said we did a good job talking about it. She I don't said, know. I, I, think she she, said, I think she liked it, yes. Wow, I've seen it for myself. But the real point is she's in <laughs> Illinois and she's listening. This is a global audience of the 23 Podcast. Yes. Hello, everybody in Illinois. Do you like how I went from the same country to global without batting yeah, an eye? Indiana. <laughs> how about maybe... We skip states. We skip states. There's a few. There's, there's probably somebody else across the sea somewhere. I was actually thinking about, as I was uh, editing today's file to record, this is our 119th time doing this. You know, it seems like only 118 it, times. Well, it's because you haven't gotten very far into 119 <laughs> yet. That's pretty cool, though. That is great. And we're still talking to each other. Yeah. If you are new to the 23 Podcast, we do this because... One, Father Herb and I have nothing better to do during the week. We take 23 minutes every Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock sharp. Here we are, Eastern time. Eastern time. For those time. of you listening in other times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not live. It's, That's true. We record on one sitting, so this is not edited. It's not. And then it's broadcast on Thursday morning. It is. Live. No. No. Str well, uh, whatever in, you call in it. podcast world. Podcast world. Yeah, so it's good. And today's been a, a good day so far. We had a, a beautiful funeral this morning. Yes. And uh, holy hour this... It's just been a good day. I had lunch with my wife. How cool. Yeah, I just feel blessed today. And now and, I'm sitting here with you recording the podcast. And it's been a good day for me. And I'm looking forward to tonight is RCIA, where I introduce everybody to the wonderful world of the Old Testament. Can you imagine introducing people to the Old Testament in one session. It seems very doable. <laughs> well, you could introduce them to it. You can't I, do I'm basically it. saying this is what it's all about, the schema of it. Okay. But we have some people who are very well read. They sure. know the scriptures, and we have some for whom everything I say is brand new. So it's really... I still fit into that category. We're spending a lot of time trying to find common ground. Who are you? Right. Exactly. Yes. So the readings this Sunday... We have a wonderful parable that probably everybody will recognize, mm -hmm. but it's like, turn the world upside down. That's why I said it's contradictory. Which we've talked about kind of that concept before. And you find it very much in Luke's gospel. And which gospel have we been reading from all year? Luke's gospel. Yep. And this story is found only in one gospel. And which one is that? It's got to be Luke's gospel. Okay. And it's the story of Lazarus. Did you know the, the rich man used to have a name? In the, some of the old translations of the Bible, uh -huh. you know, it's the rich man who s sits at the table and eating, and the Lazarus is the poor beggar at the, at the gate. Uh -huh. The rich man used to be called by a name. And his name was? Dives, D-I-V-E-S, which in Latin simply means the rich man. So some of the translations, if they came from the Latin, yeah. they just used that as if that was his name. Interesting. Dives and Lazarus. So you, I'm saying that because somebody's going to find... Dives listed somewhere and think, who is this guy? 
Uh-huh. Well, it's kind of a ge- sort of a generic word. It just means the rich guy. He was he, he went to high school with me. We were buddies. Uh, yeah, you didn't have any rich friends. The, <laughs> well, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> no, I don't am I right? I, I don't think I did. Well, rich in what in what capacity? Yes. Okay. All right. Now, in the time that Jesus told the story, and of course, in the Gospel of Luke, yeah. He's especially being directed, directing his stories at the outcasts, the, the people on the fringe of society. Mm-hmm. So almost everybody was poor. But they say in Israel at about that time, mm-hmm. it wasn't called Israel at that time, but the country, the, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, Palestine, Galilee was the north, Judea was the south, Samaria was in between. But at that time, it was probably 80 to 85% of the people would be what we would call poor. Okay. It was by far the majority of people were poor. And even as I say that, the other thought that occurs to me is, you didn't ask me about how did the meeting go with our pilgrimage to Israel for next summer. Hey, Father, how did the meeting go about your pilgrimage to Israel next summer? It was incredible, overflow crowd. We had to set up extra chairs. I don't know that we're, everybody who wants to go is gonna be able to get in. Do you remember yesterday when you told me that what what my immediate question was <laughs> or did you have the meeting because if you did it in this room it was an overflow crowded you'd well, be about you should always have a small room 15 people it psychologically people want to get into a crowded space they don't want to be one of 50 people in a in a stadium that seats 20,000 sure but you did you had it in the atrium so that's a nice size space yeah. we set up 49 chairs seven Seven tables, each one had seven chairs. Seven times seven is very biblical. It, that's why I did it, of course, because I'm trying to teach the Bible by this. You should use that for RCIA tonight. But we had to ask, add extra chairs. Good. I hope, I mean, I'm not going on the trip. Somebody's got to stay home and do the podcast. But <laughs> we, we Don't worry, folks. We will record weeks and weeks in advance. I've always wanted to actually do live on location because with the internet it would be very easy for you to Skype Oh, I could do that. I could do that from the Dead Sea. We could. Here I am sitting in the Dead Sea floating. Well, electronics and water don't really. Okay. Here I am in Qumran where the Dead Sea scrolls were found. See, there we go. I'm up. I'm in the in the tunnels. With the power of the internet, nothing is far away anymore. Here I am in Bethlehem. (laughs) You're not there yet. Oh, let's he, get back to the podcast, uh, Mr. Okay. Traveler. Let, let's do the story from this week's gospel. <laughs> All right. I think he's ready for vacation already, folks. Yeah. Here I am in Luke's gospel, <laughs> chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. I'm going to read it. Why don't you read it? I, it's long. So if I get tired halfway through, I'll let you take over. I should have gotten coffee. A reading from the gospel of Luke. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick the sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. 
Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And he said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, if they, would not, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now, there's so many things. I'm just going to tear this apart as we go through. Okay. Uh, not tear it apart in a negative, but just pull out lines and talk about it. Okay. First of all, he dressed in purple garment. Purple, of course, was the symbol of great wealth, royalty. Mm-hmm. Apparently, for some reason, the dye that was used to make purple was expensive. So I find purple to be a, just a very nice color overall. Yeah, but nowadays, it's it's not the same symbolism. Pur- no, we, purple, in fact, we use purple during Lent. Yeah, well, that's violet. We'll get into that during Lent. There's a difference between, seriously. That's, that's true, that's true. Okay, I'll give but, you that. But purple garments, that simply means he was over the top. He had, he had lots of extra money. Mm-hmm. And he dined sumptuously every day. Do you dine sumptuously each day? I don't like to dine sumptuously at all. Define sumptuously. Would you like me to define sumptuously? I think you're, you're already Googling it. So uh, first of all, I'm still thinking about doing it every day. Even to do it once in a while is much. All right. So to be sumptuous is splendid and expensive looking. So over the top. Yes. Sumptuously. Well, it just gives sumptuous. Splendid and expensive looking. The banquet was a sumptuous, luxurious meal. Okay. Sumptuous meal. Then they describe Lazarus. And this is kind of enough to make you almost like back up. He had... He, had, he was covered with sores. He was at the gate. He longed for the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. And even the dogs would come and lick the sores. That's a very vivid image. It is. Yeah. Now, when you had dogs, did they come and lick the sores on your hand? And if you did, you no. probably pushed them away? No. Dogs do sometimes lick feet, though. I didn't. I'm not. My feet are very ticklish, so I would prohibit that from happening. But have you ever had a dog lick your foot? No. No? No. All right, well, put it on your list of things to do. I don't think I want that. (laughs) Okay, so it's, remember a couple weeks ago, I I preached on what I called the great reversal. Yeah. Where where the servants are the ones who are great and the the great are are not so great because they're not servants. Uh This is another reversal. Because in death, it's just the reverse. Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham, and he has all the joys. Even the angels carry him to heaven. Isn't that cool? That's a beautiful image. Yeah. But the rich man dies. Now, probably the most important line here is what the rich man says. And what's the rich man's nickname? Rich man. <laughs> in Latin. D- I forget already. Davius? D- D- Davis? Dives. Dives. D-I-V-E-S. Dives. 
Yeah, okay. So the rich man died, but he says to Abraham, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger. So he's still treating Lazarus as a servant. Yeah. He still doesn't, I, he still doesn't get it. I never caught that. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's like in death, he is still obnoxious <laughs> and thinks that he is above everything else. Right. And it, it's my way. I get to run the show. Sure. And he says, oh, tell, tell Lazarus to do this for me. Right. Or tell Lazarus to tell my brothers. And you would just, Lazarus doesn't say anything, but you'd just think Abraham would say something like, hey, Dives, dummy, Lazarus is not your servant. Yeah. That's not in the line. That line is not in that's, there. That's in the Father Herb Weber edition. Yeah, my translation. This is one of those many ones. I after I retire, yeah, I'm going to write another. The rest of the story <laughs> about some of these people. So anyway, so then Abraham finally says, "You can't cross from one side to the other." And at the chasm, it's not like you die and suddenly you discover. I'm going to heaven or going to hell. I think that's what a lot of people sort of assume. One side or the other. We create our afterlife by the way we live this life. Mm -hmm. So the chasm was already there. My own personal theory is, and I say this myself because it's not really directly in the Bible, that the rich man hardly even noticed, and maybe didn't notice at all, that Lazarus was there. On the this side of on this side of death, yeah, yeah. That you know, he was at the gate day in day out. He was begging, and he longed to eat the scraps that you know that the dogs would eat, and that the rich man. Oh, he was too busy dining sumptuously and going out and buying purple garments. Right. So you know, he didn't he didn't even care. How often? And this is not meant to be a political statement, but it is because the body politic we live in society. How often? We don't even notice other people or their plight. Sure. We worry about ourselves so much. I think a lot of people are of goodwill, mm -hmm. but do they even notice what's going on? And sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively, um, even now more so with our phones and devices, you know, we're so glued to whatever is on a screen, we're not even sometimes acknowledging the world around us. So that's more of a literal, but even figuratively, you know, you could be in the midst of, you know, even on a, in the midst of a Sunday here, you know, how many people come to church? You know, there's no way that we can see and know everyone that's here, even if we truly desired to. Yeah, so it's hard to be personal when there's so many. The other night, uh, I don't watch much primetime TV, mostly because I'm not home, but sometimes I do like to see what's on some of the cable channels. Mm -hmm. And I think I was watching news or something and there was a commercial of uh, some animal ki uh, kindness group. I tend to notice that you like the commercials the best. I, I pay attention to commercials. Yeah. Maybe because I'm in sales. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but they were featuring these dogs, the saddest looking dogs in the world. Is this the In the Arms of an Angel commercial? Where No, oh. no. Uh, it's, it was a group that says, you know, these poor animals, they had no water till they were rescued. And the saddest looking animals, and they were skinny, and there was like no joy. It really was heartbreaking. Yeah. And then the woman's voice, I mean, she should win an Academy Award or something. <laughs> I'm picturing you just crying in your house by yourself and with your credit card and the phone in no, the No, I hand. did not. I did not, <laughs> because in my mind, I'm thinking, 
yes, I don't like to see animals suffer. Sure. But what about all the people that are suffering? Sure, of course. And there are so many people suffering. Right. And we, we really have to reach out to them too. So it's not like one or the other, but I, I think that I'm more moved by the, the sorrow of people and it can be right here in our own country. Sure. It's, I remember a man told me once, he said, I'll help the poor in other countries, but I won't help the poor in this country. And I, I couldn't believe he actually said that. And he said, oh, they, they don't need it. They've, you know, if they're poor, it's their own fault. Well, you know, we love to blame the victim. Yeah. We really do. I, um, I don't know if I shared this on the podcast or not. I don't, it'll stop me if I did. Well, actually, actually I probably won't because the two people that listened that day may not be listening today or vice versa. True. Our good friends across the globe. Um, <laughs> I was in downtown Toledo and there was a homeless man on the side of the road like you often would see with a sign uh, that basically, it was like, it was a big sign. He basically took like a flat screen TV box and wrote on it, on wow. the inside of it. Uh, and basically with like, you know, he was a painter, carpenter, all the skills that he could do. And he was just looking for work. And um, I was stopped at a red light and he was right next to my car. And the woman, so he was on my, my passenger side. I was in the right lane. The woman that was in the left lane going the same direction as I was, rolled down her window and started screaming at him that if he had any ambition whatsoever and if he could actually you know, do something with his life. He wouldn't have to stand on a corner begging for somebody else to hand him money or to hand him, you know, a freebie. Yeah. And I was so shocked. I mean, I was literally, I, I was speechless observing this happening. Um, and I could see pain in the man's eyes. I could see rage in her eyes. Who knows what she was going through that day to, uh, have to lash out on somebody. Obviously, she was making herself feel better in some way by lashing out at this point. Was man. this during the recession or is this more more recently? This was like two weeks ago. Oh, my. This was two weeks ago. And I, um, the light turned green and I drove and I just felt this immense guilt that I didn't do or say anything in the moment. I just was a witness to all of it. And this is, you don't have to go, this is 15 minutes away from St. John the 23rd Parish. You don't have to go very far. Um, and she she did not have to do anything. I mean, she did not have to say anything at no, all. No. So, she, yeah. It was tough to observe. It really was. And, I mean, I was... We, we don't know how to deal with the poor, but the truth is we don't know that it's part of our responsibility. So it's not like us and them. They are us. We are connected. It's this human family. Right. We, ha if we have we have responsibility for other people. And sure. if we don't have, we, we should know that there are people out there for us. You know, we have a clothing drive coming up in next week weekend. after next. Yeah, the first weekend of October. Correct. And there's that old thing that, you know, the clothes that you don't wear in your closet really belong to someone else. Mm. In other words, you should give them to the other person. Sure. But it's sometimes it's not just the leftovers we have. Yeah. We have to look at saying... Why do we accumulate when others don't? Now, you can always say, well, people could work. Well, necessi not necessarily so. Yeah. It's, there's so much more to it. It's, I think sometimes we just make, we say that stuff because uh, we kind of want to keep ourselves in our own world. We just worry about ourselves. Sure. I have, to, I have to add, as we were reading this gospel reading, as you were going through it, 
the part about, um, you know, more over between us, you, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours. And I think I told you I've been reading the Harry Potter series at home with yeah, my right. kids. Uh, and we're only on the beginning of the second book. So there, there's probably a lot more in store that I, I don't know about yet. But at the beginning of the second book, Harry and Ron are trying to get onto the Hogwarts Express so they can get back to Hogwarts to go to school. And to do, to get there, they have to cross through platform nine and three quarters, which exists between platform nine and ten at the train station. But to get to platform nine and three quarters, they have to r- basically walk into a brick wall that t- takes them over to the other side where the train is waiting. Well, in the first book, they do this very easily for the first time, and they get on the train and go to Hogwarts. Well, the, I've learned now in the second book, the uh, they couldn't walk through it. They ran right into the wall, and all their stuff fell apart, and it fell all over the the sidewalk. And so they had to come up with another way. You know, the, the barrier was was established. They couldn't get to the other side. They couldn't cross over. So what did they do? They got in Ron's parents' flying car and flew to Hogwarts. Spoiler alert. That's okay. I don't think that's much of a spoiler. But what I was thinking was, how many times in life do we come to an obstacle and we just take it at face value? Well, I can't I can't do it because something's prohibiting from happening. So we just go on our on another direction. And sometimes the chasms are chasms that we not only create ourselves, but we allow to continue ourselves. Sure. So always finding another way. And I think if I could go back to that situation where I was in the car in between the man on the side of the road and the woman yelling at him, I would have acted differently in some way. That's all I got. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Tune in next week to find out how Michael would have acted. (laughs) In Michael Puppis and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> come, come next week. And uh, it's autumn. Enjoy these beautiful days. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. God bless. <laughs>